Welcome everyone back to the Sandalanch. This week we are doing uh, the Hero of Ages, Mistborn Book Three, chapters twelve through to fifteen. I am Dak. I am Jamie. I am Joe. And I am Dina. My bad, I should have thought that one through. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so in this week's chapters, the crew, such as it is, uh, such as it is, are all back together and making plans. Marsh's existential crisis is ongoing. We find out where Spook is and what he's up to, sort of. And Vin has another conversation with our new buddy, Human. So strap in, everyone. Let's get ready. The Sandalanch is about to begin. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope. Sound as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you must. And when the world is starts to burn, at the point of no return, keep a hold of the conviction, tear at the affliction, and for the Yeah, and that's uh, it, I, I was kind of funny last week as we were signing out. Dax's like, wait a second, where's Spook? And I was like, ah, he's coming up. I knew that this was. Uh... Yeah, it's another one of those things where it's just like, oh, we say something literally the next episode, it gets resolved. Yeah. So yeah. what did you guys think? Guess of who the didn't return care? Of Spook where Spook and was. other chapters. <laughs> oh, of course. These were good. I was uh, honestly a bit baffled to see. Oh, this is how we're incorporating set. It's like they explicitly compared him to, like, this is Clubs' replacement. I'm just like, ah, oh, I don't know if I like that. But, yeah, whatever. The Spook stuff, I guess, was kind of interesting. Just, one, because we haven't seen him in a while. Two, we're seeing inside his head for the first time. And just like, this guy's going through some shit. Yep. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Thank God his point of view is not written in his slang, because <laughs> uh, that was a genuine concern I had. It's like, oh, oh no, please don't do that. Uh, You'd just yeah. skip it for sure. <laughs> You'd be like, I hope there's nothing important in the story here because we're <laughs> skipping that chapter. I liked it. I I sort of had a bit, bit of a chuckle to myself when we got to the spook viewpoint. I thought, ah, oh, Joe's going to be thrilled. <laughs> Not only do we know where he is, but now we're going to see inside his own head. So fantastic. I am a bit worried about spook given that chapter. He's, yeah, burning tin for so long. I don't know that that's a good idea, but I felt like, Brandon was kind of laying it on really thick like just keep in mind he can feel everything and now he's like super awesome at at doing all of this stuff and I've got some ideas on that but I'll share them a bit later I mean slow chapters I guess from Ellen and Vin um, obviously getting the army on the move deciding what to do about exposing people to the mists that's a pretty tough call knowing that some of you will die but the sooner we can sort of do that then it frees us up more to move so like I get it but it's a sort of a hard decision to hard position to be in and Marsh and all his new spikes and powers and scariness babysitting all the Colos out there that's something to watch as well so sort of interesting to see where that goes yeah Marsh once again gets a very short and very kind of depressing section for himself (laughs) we moved on to uh, yeah but it was all him which was good it wasn't Sort of his ruined viewpoint. Oh um, yeah, where everything's beautiful and yeah. wonderful, and I love listening to screams and all that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. These chapters were okay. A lot of prep, just a lot of prep and kind of background stuff in this, which is not bad. Just 
not as action-packed as as I like my stuff. So kind of disappointed we didn't get another Tencent chapter, but that's okay. I wrote, what did I write for, I only wrote like one line for Spook's chapter. Oh yeah, Spook is becoming Daredevil, that's what I wrote <laughs> for his chapter. Daredevil yeah, with sight? Yeah, exactly. Like all his senses are getting dialed up, but here's, I mean, I think the sight is the thing that's going to be the first thing to be completely like obstructed. Like he's going to be absorbing so much light energy that he just won't be able to see anything. Everything will turn white. So then he'll be like kind of a daredevil. That's, uh, that's my, that's where my brain's going on that. Um, and yeah, the Marsh thing was kind of sad, but he's got a plan at least, you know? And uh, the, the thing I liked the most in these chapters was probably the meeting where Ellen asks everybody about Kelsier and it's like kind of gets them to think like why don't we try to keep Kelsier at the forefront of our mind and act in the way that he would act like that's the best way we're going to be able to lead these people which I thought was really good I think that's what they have been missing is remembering to smile and laugh and have a positive outlook especially Sazed I think Sazed probably needs that really bad so yeah um, so yeah I really that part of these chapters I really liked yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting because when we get to we get to their whole planning thing, and he even says in the annotation that it's like this is something that pop he he intentionally put in each book where they have this whole planning. In the first one, you know, you had Kelsier leading the planning session and figuring out the the job, and then in the second one, you had the scene where Ellen shows up late to his own planning meeting and they've come up with a plan without him. And now you have, in contrast to that, Ellen is like very in charge of this planning meeting. So it's like things that come up in each of these books to kind of remind you, yeah, this is all part of the same series, even though the three books are very different from each other. Uh, okay. I guess let's get into this thing. The first epigraph is mostly kind of stuff we already know about, you know, it's like, yes, Rashek moved the well of Ascension. It was very clever of him, but there's, I think at least one interesting note in here is that the well he's, he says it's sorry. It says he knew the power would return one day, to the well, for power such as this, the fundamental power of which the world itself was formed, does not simply run out. So this is the same power that the world is made of, apparently. But other than that, it's like, yes, this is stuff that we knew or could have inferred from, yeah, Rashek moved the well, built his palace on top of it, etc., etc. It's like it says he moved the well and then talks about how he didn't move the well. He just changed the landscape around it. So, yeah. Which it was nice to get confirmation on that, because we'd all theorized kind of different ways that could have happened, so. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Okay, and then we get the scene where uh, Vin is talking to Ellen about how she's worried about people. And she brings up in this discussion, I mean, the first they're Sazed, and we all know she's worried about Sazed probably with good reason at this point, right? Oh, yeah. But she's kind of like, it's showing in other people, too. And she mentions specifically, like, you know, Breeze is trying too hard. And you can tell. I guess it's keeping it sort of forefront that everyone's been affected by this and that they are all changing. You know, obviously it's the, the main characters that we know and love, but everyone's been affected. You know, we've seen how much Demu's changed and yep. all that sort of stuff. They're all just a bit different and a bit hardened to it now. But it's there's a bit here at the very beginning of the annotations where she's like, Vin is right about Bree's trying too hard, by the way. You've seen the previous tra- chapters with him trying to force Says to be happier. And we kind of talked about it at the time. We're like, dude, Breeze, you should be better than that at reading the room. If I remember Dak's terminology, <laughs> he's like, come on, dude, read the room. And so there's a reason that he's trying harder than he we expect. It's because he's also stretched thin. And Brandon says, this is how Breeze shows the effects of that. His jokes become forced 
And instead of being sarcastic, he starts to be cheerful and peppy. <laughs> Which when we like get to the meeting is, is what uh, is what Ellen asked him to do anyway. So Breeze is like, hey, I got this down. Yep, he's ahead of the curve. But I, I like how at the end of this discussion, Ellen's like, okay, I understand what you're saying. I'll do something about it. He's become just very, very much more commanding even since the last book with his whole king shtick. And then we cut to the planning room with uh, a map of the Empire and our friend Norden, who I don't know if you guys remember, he's like the former obligator who came to work for uh, Ellen. The very bookish I remember guy. That. I ha- that had very much like, did you guys have watched the IT crowd? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I remember at one point, like like the goth guy came out of the cupboard or whatever that he lived in, and um, Richard Ayoade just said, "Oh look, Richmond's still alive." That's the <laughs> reaction I had here. Yeah, for Norden. Yep. Good guy, Norden. And and we find out that uh, not only is set here, but Mia Mia is also here, so that's good. We're we're just wondering where he'd gotten to. He's here, but he doesn't really do much. No, he does not. Come on, Mia Mia, pick it up. <laughs> I was Get excited to see he was there, though. I was like, he's not lost. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Maybe he'll have the big heroic moment at the end of the book. That'd be great. Meow Meow is the is the hero of ages. That's why you know you don't recognize the the <laughs> epigraph sound like him because you don't know him very well. That's a good point, actually. But we find out like uh, they have this map, which seems to be a very simple map because it's like a map of the Final Empire with like three circles on it. And the first thing it, that comes out is sets like, "Hell, you expect us to be able to read that thing?" It's like, okay, there's. Like three concentric circles. It's not a complicated map, dude. You're back for one paragraph and already reminding us why you stuck. <laughs> so the map shows that a pretty large portion of the Final Empire no longer gets enough daylight during the day. Or actually that the mists no longer leave at all during the daylight in the outermost circle. Yeah, they're just turning it to Scotland. <laughs> Burn Scotland. Then there's another circle. It's like everything outside gets less than four hours of daylight every day. Everything inside gets more than four hours of daylight. And the final circle, which is very small, smaller than the central dominance, it says, is the area that the scribes feel will get enough sunlight this summer to support crops. So that's bad. <laughs> Ham's looking at the map like, oh, that's a fairly small circle there, El. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I really like the paragraph where it's like they were a small group, only nine if one counted set sun, meow, meow. And this, as if that even Sanderson doesn't, really doesn't count. count him. He's just like, oh, yeah, he's there. <laughs> After all our talk about him, he, this, this like meta paragraph is like, yeah, you know, he doesn't really count. <laughs> Bureaucrats just sort of fade into the wall. Wow. If you try and reference that no one laughed at. Myself out. <laughs> oh, sorry. What'd you say? I missed it. It's like, um, oh, it's from the later episodes. Maybe that's why you, like, you didn't like it as much. Um, yeah, later episodes but, aren't funny. Everyone knows that. It's like um, where they make the joke about how bureaucrats just f- just fade into the background. Hermes goes, that's not true. And he's wearing a shirt. So that's the same color as the background. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a no go for me, man. That's going to be a no for me, dog. Dang. Uh, I don't remember much about the later episodes, honestly. Like after it came back, there's a couple of bits that stick out to me, even though I watched those. Like I remember the joke about ghost horse marriage. And <laughs> yeah. I remember there's an episode with a two headed goat that throws up all the time. Oh, Mr. Chunks. And those are the two things I remember about after the show came back. Yeah, no, I, I, I like the later episodes a lot. Like, there are, there are some duds in there, but I, th- I thought there were some quite good ones. Mm. You know, like learning about how Professor and Zoidberg met each other. I gotta go back one of these days. I'm pretty sure I didn't see all of them. I saw, I think I saw most yeah. of them. 
not all of them for sure. I I just couldn't get past that first new season because every episode was so preachy. It's like on this subject and on this subject, like they all had a theme of like, yeah, the this is bad and chunk, this is why. The first chunk of that episode of that season was probably the low point, and like after that, like it was sort of you know they'd have some that weren't as good, but then they had some other really good ones throughout there. So. Mm, I don't remember how many seasons there were after the. Well, I'm, I'm gonna look at that later now because now you've got me kind of thinking about that and <laughs> wanting to go back and rewatch Futurama. Yeah, I gotta pull out my DVDs because I probably watch the commentary on those episodes at least as often as the episodes themselves because the commentaries are also really funny. Oh, I haven't watched the commentaries. I should do that. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, they're they're great. Yeah, I uh, okay, sorry. Back to the back to the <laughs> thing that we were doing. And they think that by next winter, even that small bubble of land will be covered with mist. So. We don't have a whole lot of time to stop the deepness somehow. And Ellen, like Ellen says, okay, people, we need options. Kelsey recruited you all because you could do the impossible. And so it's like, hey, he didn't recruit me. And uh, I got my, I got pulled by my balls into this little fiasco. To which Ellen replies, I wish I cared enough to apologize, which is a great Boom. line. <laughs> Roasted. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, gotta steal that one. And the set is really just annoying, this whole conversation. Like, Breeze is like, hey, what about that power at the Wall of Ascension? Maybe we can use that. And Set's like, yeah, or set the fr- free the thing hidden inside. It's like, dude, do, do you really? Can't you just shut up? I like Ham's idea best, where he's like, can't we find some plants that, like, need very little light? We're all going to live off mushrooms for 10,000 years. I think it's the first useful thing that anyone has to say. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, maybe we could. We could find some mushrooms or something to yeah. feed people. Well, yeah, because he even says, like, not even for the people, like, for the animals, and then we can eat the animals. Also a good plan, yeah, yep. Yep. Hope you all like pork. (laughs) And once again, Seth's unhelpful. He's like, shut up, this isn't the time for horticulture. Uh, And then calls Breeze the idiot soother. But she's never liked Breeze, so that that kind of fits. So that's got to be like a typical father-in-law attitude, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I... I do like they're talking about, hey, the Lord Ruler left us all this stuff in the caches. And Seth's like, yeah, if I if it was me and I'd been the Lord Ruler, I would have filled those caches with poison food and pissed in water. It's like, wow, thanks, Seth. That's um, what a guy. Yep. Yep. He's just all about the people. And Ellen actually feels that he's starting to understand the Lord Ruler a little bit. Like he wasn't evil. He just got carried away. That's I, I think you're uh, being a little bit generous. But. Uh, yeah, I was going to say he got carried away far away, like on a transatlantic flight. Yeah, but we, we decide that we're going to march the army on Fadrick City and set is finally happy. <laughs> Penrod and Gennaro can suck on that for a few. It's not even about taking his place back. He's like, I get to shove it in the face of these other two kings. Yeah, I think I've come to hate set more in this <laughs> chapter alone. than I did the entirety of the last book. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's going to he's going to take his city back. For what? They're not going to be able to survive there. Right? Are, are they going to? They may have to move everybody from Fadrek City back to the Central Dominance. So it's really exactly. kind of pointless. He's going to get there and be like, haha, we won. All right, now everyone, let's pack up and go. It's just not going to work. <laughs> but don't you feel like that's exactly set? To He just wants to win. He doesn't even care if he does. he's not winning anything important. Haha, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Asshole. He's gonna be, he's gonna be like that that SpongeBob meme where like they've burned the place down. It's like we did it. We saved the city. <laughs> I don't know SpongeBob, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, I don't either. I just see that meme all the time, especially after Game of Thrones. Mm, yep, I bet you did. <laughs> that, that from what I've heard, that fits perfectly. I didn't watch Game of Thrones either. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then there's an earthquake, and they're like, and Ham's like, man, there sure have been a lot of those lately. And Vince just like, 
how, I mean, we can't fight earthquakes and ash and mists. Like, what are we supposed to? It's the latest monster, the mist worm. <laughs> it's going to be Dune. That's what we're turning into. Yeah. Although in Dune, like, the giant worm thing is the Emperor, so. Okay, so set here is that the Adia might have been back in his own city, and that's when he's like, damn it! I hope we, I hope not. We knew that he wouldn't be thrilled about that. That'll learn you, set. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't be such a jerk. And Ellen says, uh, okay, you know, we, we might have to conquer the city, but we're going to try diplomacy first. And Set don't like that. But uh, they're like, but they're, that's your people, Set. Why would you want us to attack and, like, kill your soldiers? And he's like, ah, whatever. People die in war. They turned against me. They deserve what they get. This guy. Yep. But you got to see what, like, Ham, what Ham is on about. It's like, yeah, we've never actually used the Coloss to attack people before. That's a... Uh... You know, Ellen's already sort of thinking, like, I'm becoming a bit of a tyrant, and, like, that's not going to yeah. help. No, that's a very tyrant uh, move. You're not wrong. But they're planning for a potential siege, which is a real flip from last book when we were under siege the entire book. And in the meantime, he's going to send uh, some other people up to Urtu to uh, check some stuff out, because they're going to take their city over to, or their city. They're going to take their army over to Fadrex. So he's Spook's already there, which we uh, we haven't caught up with him quite yet, but we're on our way. And he's going to send uh, Breeze and Sazed to go check out stuff in Ur 2. I, I don't like that city name because I'm never sure exactly how I should pronounce it. I always thought it was like Urto because like the end looks like plateau. Yeah, like a plateau. That's a good point. But apparently there's been a popular uprising there and the Ska have set up their own government. And ironically, even though that's how our crew got started uh, by setting off a popular uprising and setting up their own government, they're like, we can't let this rebellion in that city spread to the other cities because then the empire will fracture again. And we've just like finished putting a lot of it back together and says, it's kind of like, do, do I have to go? And Owen's like, well, I'd really like you to. And, like, he needs says because Breeze has something of a reputation and people respect Terrasman. And Breeze is like, hey, I worked hard for my reputation, you know. But accidentally seducing their daughters? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, it's totally off topic, but I read a thing today that it was like the Vikings, or research shows that the Vikings like uh, basically seduced away the Anglo-Saxons like wives and daughters by doing things like bathing every day. And, oh, like, yeah, I saw that. Other kinds of cleanliness. And that the Anglo-Saxons yep. uh, didn't like that and even, like, slaughtered a whole village of the Vikings because uh, they were tired of them stealing all their women by being clean. Yeah. Yep. You can do the same thing in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Buy it today. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the first thing that came to mind. You're like, Bree's going to steal their women? I'm like, well, he might be better dressed than all these ska and possibly more that's clean, a, you know? he's <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. Although, in fairness, it's not like he was trying. He spent most of the relationship trying to end it. And he's like, no, do not want. True. She was very insistent. She's very lots of things. Yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. Nothing n nothing good, mostly. But <laughs> I did have to wonder, what the hell is she doing in this meeting? She's not contributing at all. You know, maybe she's just there to riot some people, get everybody in a good mood. I don't know that it's working on set, but... <laughs> it's definitely not working on the readers. Oh, God. <laughs> And this is where he's like, hey, everyone, tell me about Kelsier. And this is like his plan that he told Vin he was going to fix things. And like Damu just pops in. He's like, he was the Lord of the Mists. It's like, Damu, you, you, you be quiet. <laughs> That's not <laughs> Yeah, he's like, no, 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 no. Shut up, shut up. I'm not talking about that. 
talking about the actual guy. Like, All right, Damer, you just you just take some soldiers and run some drills for a few minutes, okay? <laughs> and so, but the people who actually knew him, they're like, you know, he he was crazy and always like positive, even when he had no reason to be. Vin's like, he was just a man, but you always knew he'd succeed. He made you know what he wanted. He, he made you be what he wanted you to be. And I was like, what would he say if he saw us at this conference right now? And then says, it's like, he'd tell us to laugh more, which is true. He was all about the smiling in the face of uh, ridiculousness. And that's where all Rand pops in. I don't remember if she's even said anything before this, but in this conversation is where she's like, oh, that sounds insensitive. I'm like, like you could talk. <laughs> right? I did like how I was like, we threw out a mention of that idiot Yedin. And we we're just like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> uh, they got yeah. everyone killed. Good job. That fool Yedin. We don't remember him much, but there's reason for that. He was stupid. <laughs> and I like they're all like, you know, kind of cheered up by uh, by this idea. And Ellen like takes this and he's like, hey, I want us all to be more like this. I want to see you smiling. Do it in defiance if you have to. But if the end does come, I want this group to meet that end smiling as the survivor taught us. And everybody's like, yeah, you know what? That's except for said who's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> You're all crazy. Which is what they people said to Kelsey every day, so it kind of makes sense. Wait, did you say sazed or set? Set. I don't know no, if I, I said, said sazed, but I meant I you said sazed. I'm just like, what? What? Yeah, sazed is like, what's wrong with you people? Damn it. That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know sazed is at the end of his tether. He just stands up and goes, the fuck is with you? And just walks out. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, man, sazed is really not coping. Oh, poor Sazed. He he can't jump up and start cursing. That would be like if you're reading Dresden Files and Michael starts cursing. You just don't expect that. Well. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway. This uh this this podcast not sponsored by Jim Butcher. <laughs> it could be. Not, not yet, saying. anyway. Yeah, exactly. But the chapter ends with Ellen being like, okay, we're done, except uh, Breeze, Set, and all, or Set, Sazed, and Orion. See, now you've got me mixing them up. I don't think I mixed them up the first time, but now you got me doing it. Breeze, Sazed, and Orion, I want you to stay here so we can talk about your trip. So, they're going up to Ur 2. I was just like, oh no, she's going with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh. she, she can't leave, she can't, uh, or uh, Breeze can't leave her behind. No, mm. that actually. Yeah. <laughs> she can make friends with the uh, citizen sister or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. We're not there yet, like, but there's a citizen you, and his sister. You know, you know what a great interaction for Orion would be? She has to hang out with human for a while. I think that she might, she just she would just be like cheery the whole time and ignore <laughs> anything he said. I feel like human has got that you. order to hate not you. kill. <laughs> Human's got that order to not kill, and I think he might just break that if he had to talk to Orion. <laughs> hey, everybody wins. She'd be like, oh, you poor oh. thing. Let me teach you about being human. When you're human, you carry packages for ladies when they're shopping. You can <laughs> practice now. And that's how the Coloss learned to accessorize. <laughs> you need at least seven petticoats. It's very important. Okay, so the next uh, the next uh, epigraph is kind of a short one. And it's just like, hemallergy is called because of the connection to blood. Uh, Marsh once described it as a messy process. Not the adjective I would have chosen. It's not disturbing enough. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, so it's definitely Sazed writing these because he's the one, like, he and Vin are the ones Marsh described the process to, so. That's true. He was one of the two people that Vin was talking to, or not Vin, that uh, Marsh was talking to. Yep, that's a good point. You're just finding more evidence to pile on, so it'll be even more surprising when it's already in at the end. 
Nope. Uh, <laughs> but death is always involved in the transfer of powers via hemolurgy. So, also probably not surprising, uh, given what we've seen. And then we cut to Marsh. And poor, poor Marsh. He's still just sitting there. Can't do anything. But he's thinking, I'm missing something. Oh, and by the way, he's hanging out with an army of 300,000 Coloss. So that's a lot of Coloss. And he's wondering, why is Ruin waiting? He has a more than big enough army to like destroy everything that's left at this point, basically. If he wants to, why are we not going and doing stuff? We're sitting up in the Terrace Dominance. Or near Terrace. Maybe not in Terrace. And we get a little bit of backstory on Kelsier and Mare and Marsh. And we kind of had figured out, or Vin figured out at some point, that Marsh also uh, liked Mare and that she'd chosen Kelsier over him. But it's interesting because we, we find out, because uh, we knew from the first book that Marsh had been in charge of the Rebellion and had left, and left Yedin in charge, and that went so well. But now we find out why, if the Lord Ruler could catch Kelsier, the most brilliant thief of his time, then he'd catch Marsh eventually too. So fighting was useless, why do it? And so he left it. And so you think, like, all this time, Marsh really just needed his brother. And when and when Kelsey did eventually come back, he just, he didn't really seem to give that much of a shit about Marsh's emotional state or how he was doing, so. Yeah. Marsh, I mean, Marsh became an, became an inquisitor for his brother, and, like, his brother never really seemed to, like, that concerned with him. I mean, we know that he was, but he just was very bad at showing it. So I was like, shit, Marsh, Marsh has had a bad one. I mean, he has had a bad one. I'll give you that. But I think Kelsier wanted to find Marsh from the beginning. But it seemed like Marsh didn't really want anything to do. And it wasn't until Kelsier's like, look, I'm not doing this for selfish reasons. Like, I'm, I, I really want to do this, that Marsh kind of came around. But Marsh became an Inquisitor because Marsh wanted to destroy the religion. I don't think that was Kelsier wanting him. Like, I don't think Kelsier specifically gave him that mission. Like, destroy the religion. Like, that's what Marsh wanted. He hated them. True. Killing his mother. Yeah, in fact, I think that's, he tells Vin, or maybe Kelsier, I forget which, which one, but he's like, you know, I don't know about Kelsier's plan, this whole big whatever, but if he can get me away into the ministry, then I'm going to take it. Yeah, okay, fair point. But uh, I agree with, I, I also agree, kind of agree with Dak that, I mean, Kelsier kept saying, yeah, Marsh will be here. He's he's going to come and join the, the, the job. But he never seemed to care that much about Marsh, except as part of his plan that he'd come up with, until he thought Marsh was dead, and then he cared. But Kelsier always came across as kind of self-centered, most of the time, anyway. Yeah, true. And Marsh is just like, damn it, Kelsier, can't you leave me be, even in death? Because Kelsier came, and he did what Marsh had spent his whole life trying to do, Right after Marsh gave up on it, that's got to sting. It's like it's it's just like a completely different side of the yeah we've we've already seen Ellen and a couple of other people and Vin like comparing themselves to Kelsier and like thinking how they can't measure up and it took Vin a while to realize that I don't you shouldn't need to measure up to Kelsier, but now Marsh is like on the other side of the spectrum Marsh is doing that in just another way he's like well Kelsier didn't give up like I did mm. and, and it's just like oh geez that. This this one just seems much more brutal than when Ellen is doing it. Well, it's more personal for him because he's like, Mare had been right. She'd chosen Kelsier over Marsh. And then when they'd both been faced with her death, Marsh had given up and Kelsier had made her dreams come true. So it's like, ooh, geez. It, yeah. 
It was kind of personal for Alan, too, because he was like, does Vin like Kelsier more than me and think Kelsier is better than me? But this is even more personal since it's Marsh's brother and the woman that they both loved. And so Marsh thinks that Kelsier overthrew the final empire, not for money, not for fame or revenge, but because that had been Mare's dream and he wanted to make it come true. And maybe he's right. I don't know. We haven't seen inside Kelsier's head in a while, and we never really saw his true thoughts on the job because he was... It was, he was running a con job on his own friends with this job. So, uh, But he also points out that uh, Kelsier also failed because killing the Lord Ruler didn't fix anything. It made everything worse. Ruin has just left Marsh there, but he still can't do anything because if he struggles, Ruin will take over again. But he wants to remove himself because he's Ruin's most useful tool, he says. Which sort of plays into the whole thing. It's like Ruin cannot see your thoughts. Yep. Which is what, yeah, Vin and Ellen were, were talking about. That. It's like, you know, they like... That, that at least is safe, so Marsh is safe in his own head. So Marsh comes up with the conclusion that maybe if he plays along long enough, Ruin will think he's given up and maybe at some point give him the chance to make a move enough to kill himself. So he's like, now he's happy because he has a plan. I don't know that it's a great plan, but he's got a plan. Nothing else he can really do. You're not wrong. And that is the end of part one. And in the part one wrap-up uh, annotation, he's like, Brandon says, like always, part one's a little slow, and I'm working on my style, trying to get the pacing of the first third of my novels better, but I like one of the features of my style is a setup followed by a fast-paced ending, and I don't want to lose that. So I thought this one, the the beginning, was paced decently. Definitely paced better than number two so far. Yeah. I think the first one had a pretty good pace on the beginning, too, so I think number two is really kind of like the odd man out here. Yeah, well, the first one was good because it set up the story, it set up the world, and it did it all in a way that didn't feel overpowering, but also didn't feel slow. So that was fine. We jumped into a lot of action straight away in this one, too, so it didn't feel as slow as definitely book two. That's true. Although I think one of the first things in book two was Vin fighting like a bunch of Alamancers. Yeah, but we then then got into the political Mm. drama and sort of stayed there, whereas I think we've had a lot of viewpoints and there's been a lot going on and exciting things to discover. There's less, even though we are setting up for the book, there's less, I guess, world setting up. We've got all this knowledge from before and I think it's been done really well so far, how we're sort of recapping certain information, but it doesn't feel like we're being force fed information. Yeah. So I think, yeah, this is probably, well, I think this is definitely a better start to the book than what we've had before in the second book. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. Part two is called Cloth and Glass. And the epigraph here is talking about Ruin's consciousness was trapped in the Well of Ascension, kept mostly impotent. And he mentions the black smoke that they found clogging one of the rooms the night they found the Well of Ascension. We we noticed that at the time, but I don't know that we've talked about it since then. There was a mysterious black smoke, the body of a god, or rather the power of a god, since the two are really the same thing. Ruin and preservation inhabited power and energy the same way a person inhabits flesh and blood. So, so the smoke was Ruin's body? His body or his power or something. I mean, this whole thing feels kind of uh, like metaphysical to me, and I'm not sure it makes a lot of sense. But it also makes a good point. It's like, how could we possibly have known what it was? This is not a thing that, oh, this is the body of a god right here, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we catch up with Spook. Yay, spook. Everyone is happy. Who's I've, everyone? <laughs> I've gotten a lot of comments in emails that, uh, in like the parts I've left out of emails and some in the Discord and stuff that's like, oh, I can't wait 
until they get to the spook section to see if, how much they either hate or change their mind on spook when they find out he's in this book again. I mean, he's fine. He's become a daredevil, like I said. Good for him. Was actually a daredevil villain at one point who had all his powers and had sight as well. So basically that guy. Mm. I think his name was Ikari. Mm. So he's been flaring tin for a long time now, apparently. And uh, it's done things to him is what we find out in this chapter. Which Kelsier warned Vin all the way back at the beginning of the first book that don't flare your metal too much because it can do things to you. And we did we did sort of see this at the end of the second book, like when Ellen and Spook were traveling back and like and Ellen's like, turn your tin off. And Spook's like, no. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, like definitely saw the seeds of it planted. Now that he's been doing this, he's, he can basically the mists don't block his sight like at all anymore. You can see everything. And he even talks about it. it's like people warned that it was dangerous uh, to flare your metal too much. And the truth was they were right. He'd flared his tin nonstop for a year straight, never letting up. And it had changed him, and he worried that the changes would indeed be dangerous. So that's nice. And it says that he started flaring after clubs died, or I guess maybe just after they left the city, and he assumed clubs would be dead, which turned out to be true. So, so I guess my feeling, my thought, my wonder here is: is are the are the listeners, you listeners out there, are you expecting me to feel bad for Spook here because he's upset about his uncle and he's flaring his tin just so that he can be of use because i don't feel bad because it's a mistake what he's doing is not good he's making a big mistake yes i understand he may be traumatized from his uncle's death but i don't feel bad for somebody who's like i this is the only thing i could do so i have to do it and because he knows what he's doing is not a good idea but he's like i'm becoming something else becoming something more now if all of a sudden flaring his tin constantly forever turns him into some kind of crazy daredevil badass, then okay. <laughs> but for right now, I'm just like, mm, this seems pretty stupid. I mean, it's it's to the point that during the day, he has to wear a cloth tied around his eyes to protect them from the brightness of the sun. And even then, it's sometimes blindingly bright outside. Right, exactly. And that's why I was like going with the daredevil thing. Like at some point, yeah. it's just going to get too much to where no matter what he does, it's too bright. He can't see. Like he's just going to be completely blinded. And I sometimes forget that the senses thing also expands to, like, your sense of touch. So he's like, every crack or flake of stone on the ground feels like a knife jabbing him through his shoes. Yeah. Also, what does cool. he eat? Because doesn't, is, like, isn't his taste enhanced as well? Like, yeah. yeah, it would be. I would think that that would be so disgusting. Like, at a certain point, it's like, that's too much flavor. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has to be overpowering. <laughs> he's eating mush. Like, flavorless mush. This is Krusty Brand imitation gruel. <laughs> But he's he's still feeling bad for himself. And he's like, oh, you know, I was I only got I was joined the crew by default because I was club's nephew when Kelsey or handpicked everyone else. The impression like the others probably should have just talked to him about this shit. Like, yeah, right. And I think I think Ellen might have tried and then Spook brushed him off. I'm just like, you, you guys really need to just like get this guy a therapist or something. I don't think anyone understands like how bad Spook feels. No. Well, I guess every time he, he tried to articulate it, it was in the form of some weird-ass slang, and they're, just, and they're just like, yes, Spook, the sky is cloudy today. Yeah, but even, like, in the last book, when he wasn't talking in his street slang anymore, every time he actually, we saw him interact with the crew and say stuff, well, before the end, when he was really depressed, he was like, you know, he was like this cocky, snarky dude, and so even even then, he must have been feeling this, like, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm out of place in the crew, and I'm not as powerful as these other people, 
but he was hiding it really well. So the others may not really know. Yeah, I guess. He's just a scared little, a scared little boy trying to play grown up, and like he didn't really work out so well. He's got got completely the wrong idea of how to do it, and now he's actually like putting his body through shit, and like who knows what that's gonna do to him. Right. Yeah, he's gonna start walking around it's like I'm one with the force. The force is with me. If one force, the force is with me. <laughs> uh, good reference. I like it. And he's he's walking through the streets at night, and he hears a patrol coming, and he's like, "Dude, these guys are idiots. They got torches out and stuff. Like that makes it harder to see in the mists." And he's, he can stand like two feet away from where they walk by, and they can't see him because the, the patrols are really the most pointless thing ever, apparently. But we find out that the leader of the city of Erto is called the Citizen, which that that sounds very. Uh... Man, here comes the animal farm portion of the book. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's very like uh, there's been a communist revolt here. Mm-hmm. But Erto is the hereditary home of the Venture Line and uh, had once been a much more important and well-maintained city. <laughs> but we, the interesting thing we found out about it is that the streets you basically used to have canals for streets. It's like Venice. Is Erto, but then one day the canals just dried up, and it's too it would be too expensive to fill them in, so everyone just walks in the bottom of what used to be full canals while the buildings are way up above. I was like, have they not investigated this? Right? Like that, that seems like a pretty big oh shucks. Well, that sucks. Let's just deal with it, guys. <laughs> it, he it even he says nobody can, has been able to give him a definite or consistent answer about what happened to the canals. Some said earthquakes, some said droughts. But sometime in, like, 100 years ago, all the water just went away. <laughs> That's a lot of water, too, like, to fill the streets of this entire large city. So now they call them street slots, and they just walk in the bottom of them. Yeah, they're actually just beavers. They made a dam upstream, and nobody checked. <laughs> There's a bunch of beavers, those crazy guys. I, I kind of imagined it was an Inquisitor who built the dam for kicks. <laughs> hey hey guys wouldn't this be funny <laughs> lol i'm making them walk hey in the carl mud. carl come check out my dam <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's all spiky like them like the gates of mordor but spook tells us that basically what happened here is there was a revolution just like the one kelsier kicked off except there was no ellen here to make an impassioned speech against bloodshed and murder and all this other stuff so they just went on killing people. And Spook's like, you know, it's nice that they overthrew their, the nobles. That's good. Go team. <laughs> but now they're like ruling the city through fear of death. <clears throat> and Spook is here to uh, investigate and learn things for Ellen. And here's where we uh, he's he's going to we find out, try to listen in on a meeting uh, being held by the citizen. But here's where we start to see his uh, daredevil powers, as Joe says, where he's he's climbing buildings and stuff and then he's like oh i can feel some vibrations in this room there's somebody in there so he moves to another room where he doesn't feel vibrations he there's no vibrations there's no whispers not even the muted thudding of a heartbeat something that he could sometimes hear that's a scary thought yeah i feel like if you can hear that you could hear your own heartbeat all the time which would be distracting mm. maybe you get used to it <laughs> and so basically he's found this building that's like a few yards away from the citizen's house and uh, where he can kind of like see in a window where they're having their meetings. And he's like, most people wouldn't be concerned that there's a how, another house a few yards away because most people couldn't hear you. But Spook can. So but while he's waiting, he uh, stares at the girl who goes into the garden. Yep. Showing that he clearly hasn't uh, grown 
in any way. <laughs> and now he's just being a creeper. It's very creepy. Beldry, the citizen's sister. He's like, there were rumors about her, but nobody ever mentioned her sadness. He could see her deep, sorrowful eyes. He's just any girl who comes along with this guy. Yeah. Except Lorianne. Listeners, remind me, what is it that you like about Spook again? No, he was totally like hitting on Lorianne or something at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, something like that. that. When she when she made him carry the bags, I thought that turned 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 him off her. It might have. I I think when they first got out of the cart or uh, when they went shopping, he was like trailing after her, and Vin made like a sarcastic comment about it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he may have learned better very quickly. <laughs> it doesn't take yeah. much interaction with Aurian. The citizen had declared that ornamental gardens were of the nobility, so not allowed. <laughs> well, this guy's just like this stuff is fun. You're not allowed to have it because it's what the rich people have. And I mean, Joe kind of hit the nail on the head. That is a very Animal Farm sort of uh, detail. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like, next next thing we know, he's gonna be like those bourgeois noblemen. It's like, Dake, you can't wear clothes like that. That's what the bourgeois people wear. And then sure enough, like later, citizens gonna be wearing like a king's uniform. <laughs> but uh, apparently, they've got some fairly decent intelligence going on here uh, with Quellian. That's the citizen's name. He's like, so what's the news? And they're like, well, Ellen Venture covered, uh, conquered another city. It's an unimportant one to the south, barely 5,000 people. But uh, he got himself another Kolos army, and Spook's like, yeah, good job. Way to go, Ellen. And Quillian's just like, whatever. It doesn't matter if what he does makes no sense. A tyrant doesn't need uh, reasons. And they're like, oh, so he's supposedly sending an ambassador. Like, seriously, how did the people figure this shit out? It's not like that's like uh, Ellen spreading that news. Well, we don't know how long has passed between them getting this intel and and when they have the discussion, so by the time their scouts have like their scouts have come and have a look to find out what's going on with Ellen, they've come back and brought this information. By that point, Breeze and Says might already be on the way. Yeah, but even if they're on the way, it's like, is it public knowledge to lots of people that these guys are coming to the point that like you can find out and then make it back to the city faster than they can get there? What you're saying is there's a rat. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> have we been uh, here before? I feel like we've been here before. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have. There's a chondra, don't you know? <laughs> Set's a chondra. Oh, Set. Oh, imagine if Orian was a chondra. Oh, well, uh, she wouldn't be able to ride anyone, so it'd be okay. Oh, that raises all sorts of implications if, like, she and she and Breeze are doing it. Like, that's that raises all kinds... Of, let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, they're like, a member of the Survivor's own crew is supposedly coming. And Quillian's like, one of the liars coming here? And uh, they're like, what, what, don't you think that maybe we should make a deal with uh, Ellen Venture? We, we can't fight him. It's like the survivor couldn't fight the Lord Ruler, but he did anyway. So they uh, they like Kelsier here. And in fact, Quellian's bragging that of the entire final emperor, empire, only Urto has achieved Kelsier's goal, a Ska-ruled nation. Only yeah. we've burned the homes of the nobility. Well, and it's like, I, I think they talk about this earlier in one of the chapters. It's like they have so many splinter groups of the Church of the Survivor because it's like an oral tradition being passed around about what happened. So it's like these people are just making up their own rules, right? So it's like they're propping up Kelsier as this guy who's like, take over, destroy the nobleman at any cost, which, by the way, was closer to his actual original yep. vision than I'd say most of these people are. Yep. But um, so that's kind of interesting to me. But it, it's it's so many fractured splinter people that are part of the church of survivor yeah i'm glad you pointed that out because that really is kind of closer to what kelsier had in mind before vin kind of convinced him otherwise yeah kill all the nobility let god sort them out whatever it, it just 
goes to show is like this is what happens when like you've got you've got this you've got this ideology and people are always going to interpret it in different ways. This is a side of thing we've we ha- we haven't really explored aside from the Church of the Survivor in the second book, which was really in the background and they were just kind of like, yeah, Survivor will save us, go team. Yeah. You haven't seen what it's done to the Scar elsewhere. Like there haven't been that many major Scar characters in the wake of the fall of the Final Empire and how they how they think of everything uh, and, and everything that went down especially not out in the reaches away from Ellen's influence. So it was kind of cool to see that, no, there's this splinter group who think they've got the right idea. And like you say, in a way they have, but it's completely contrary to what the, our protagonists actually want. So uh, this, this is a really fun little wrinkle. I look forward to this bit and seeing how this plays out. This was cool. Yeah. I mean, and it's true. We got almost no view of anything outside of Luthadel in the last book. And but even in inside the- Luthadel, very little scar viewpoints. Yeah, it's true. So it's definitely interesting to get some other, uh, get an idea of other things that are going on. Yeah. Also, on this bit, there's a third person in this room with Quellian and and Olid, the foreign minister, and yeah. Brandon's very, playing very coy about who this third person is. I'm just like, oh, 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 who are you? Have we seen you before? Are you the guy um, from like the balcony after Vin and Zane took out Set's army? Hmm. Yeah, because we get Oled, the foreign minister, and then there's a third voice. And yeah, I don't think it says anything about who that is. No, I just, I just remember Brandon so keeping guy... an eye for that guy. Oh, good thinking, Dak. I, I was going to say, it's that one guy uh, that Kelsier buys information off that one time, who pretends to be uh, blind. Oh, oh Hoyd. Yeah. Uh, Hoyd. Yeah, that was his name. Yeah. That could the, be. Uh, we haven't seen The him. other option is it could be the dude that uh, Ellen freed from the pits of Hatson when he destroyed them. He gave him the Adium nugget, said, take this, go, and be safe. Because you imagine that guy's like, yeah, the survivor himself saved me from the pits. Right. Like, what's what's like, so, like that's got to give him some serious cred. And he's got Adium with him, so that, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, as soon as I saw it, there's a third person. We don't know his name. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. It's Gamel. <laughs> it could be Gamel, <laughs> for all we know, it's true. Uh, Gemmel's crazier than that, though. He wouldn't be listening to Quellian. He'd be like, why are we having this conversation in here and not dangling from the spire? <laughs> why haven't I killed you yet? <laughs> but I, I like, it says, the conversation then turned to more mundane matters. They discuss, discuss new laws to forbid certain kinds of clothing once favored by the nobility. <laughs> and to give more funding to the genealogical survey committee to root out any uh, people in the city still hiding noble parentage. Oh, boy. It's like reverse oh, Harry Potter. Yeah, got to get those Muggleborns out of there, except it's the Noblebornes now. Make them register and then kill them. <laughs> the Muggles are fighting back. Uh, and then, of course, he looks back at Beldry and is like, what brings her such sorrow? Ah, pretty girl. This guy. He's a teenage boy, though, so, you know, it's not terribly shocking. Is he still a teenager at this point? I don't know, actually. He was a year or two younger. Do you think he's... Two years younger than Vin in the first book. Mm. And Vin he's is what, like 22 20, now? 21, somewhere in there, yeah. So he's so, 18 or 19. Yeah. Old and enough to know better than to do this shit. <laughs> 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 and that is the end of our spook chapter. He's old enough to drink. Everyone's old enough to drink in the final empire, don't you know? <laughs> I, I don't know if they have rules about that. No idea. <laughs> Not old enough to drink here, though. Oh, I keep forgetting you guys have a tw- yep. it's a 21 over there. It's 21. Some states it's not. Yeah, they're talking about raising the smoking age to 21 as well. Oh. I wow. feel like, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. I feel like it would make sense for a lot of these things to be the same age. It's like yes. voting, smoking, drinking. Just pick one and like make them all home. that one. Yeah. But whatever. We get our 15 is the last chapter we did, right? So this is going to be the last uh, epigraph for this one. Yep. The ash. I don't think people really understood how fortunate they were. They just pushed the ash into the rivers and let it go, but they didn't understand that without the microbes and plants that Rashek had developed to break down the ash, the land would quickly have been buried. Though, of course, that did eventually happen anyway. That's it's pretty much the same thing this person says about the world ending, right? It's like, it yeah. did happen, so whatever. <laughs> I just like the idea of, like, Rashek developing microbes and plants. Like, I could just see him in a greenhouse just going, why isn't this growing faster, for fuck's sake? <laughs> And then to fund it, he's he's just growing weed and selling it on the side. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. He's got a he's got a lab coat on, like some Bunsen <laughs> burners. He's got like a dropper. He's like dropping <laughs> stuff on plants. He's like, it's not working. <laughs> he's just a drug dealer. Yeah, Break, breaking like, mist. Why is the? <laughs> he's like, why is the floor as low as I could go? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But no, we we get Vin and she's hanging out in the mists and thinking about how much she doesn't like them. It's like she used to like him. They used to be her friend. And now when she uses Alamancy, the mists pull away from her. Huh, interesting. In the very first book, they talked regularly about how the mist like moves towards you and like wraps around you when you're using Alamancy. So this is definitely a change. It's mad at her for releasing Ruin. Maybe. Yeah. And they're going to expose the army to the mist, which honestly, I was kind of surprised they hadn't already done this. If they were out in the part of the uh, world where there's like four hours of uh, non-mist daylight... It's like, so you were just camping for 20 hours a day and then moving around with your army in the remaining, like, four or five? But whatever. It's not practical. Yeah. And Vin's just sitting there like, it's not natural. The mist. I hate it. And the note that she assays and Ellen, their opinion of the mists, and like scholars, they both quoted theories supporting both sides of the argument. <laughs> but Sazed, at least, had eventually made a decision, and he feels like the mists are natural. Even the way, the way they hurt some people and leave others alone, it's like an insect, insect sting, which bothers some people and not other people, uh, which we would probably say that some people are allergic to it and some are not. But that's uh, maybe not a concept that they have. Do you guys ever understand that when a bunch of people eat peanuts, one of them dies? <laughs> What's with that? Peanuts? Yeah, probably not. And then that's where she's like, man, she w- I wish Ten Soon was here. His simple frankness was a good match for her own. It, it's true. He, like, didn't let her get away with shit. Yeah, he just, he was, no no bullshit straight to the bones. Like, this is what I think. Nah, straight hey, to the, the bone because he's a dog. Hi, I get it. Well, bone because he's a mist monster, but sure. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> good pun, Dak. It works on many <laughs> levels. Yeah. But, yeah, apparently the army gets moving real quick after the mists disappear. Cook fires start up and everyone's going... Like, people aren't really sure how to react to her as she's walking through the army because uh, she's the empress, uh, but also the heir of the survivor, a religious figure. And uh, she doesn't like either of these titles in particular. I felt like such an idiot when she said, oh, yeah, technically I'm the empress. And I've just gone, wait, that's right. You are. Why has that not occurred to me yet? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, Hold on a second. <laughs> you just don't think of Vin and empress in the same sentence, really. No, no, not even remotely. <laughs> But her mother did. Mm, yeah, that's true. Her mother said mm-hmm. she was a queen. Yeah. She's now above queen, so suck it, mom. You were wrong, mom. <laughs> Trying to hold See, me mom, down. I, I am doing something queen. with my life. Yeah. <laughs> Still not giving you grandkids yet. 
I don't know if Vin is the type who would want kids. That's an interesting. I, I, I sincerely don't think she is, and that's okay. <laughs> I feel like Ellen might be the kind who uh, of guy who, after all this was over, would be like, "Hey, let's have some kids." But I don't know about Vin. Yeah, it's like the end of Hunger Games, where all where like Peta and Katniss get together, and he wants kids, and she's like, "Uh, really? In this world that we live in, is that's a thing that are you insane?" I can see that same conversation happening here. Yeah. Well, I guess we're not doing a Hunger Games podcast where Joe reads the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. It's fine. I've Have read you not the seen the movies one. either? No, I've read the first book and that's it. I liked the first book and I liked the second book okay. And then the end of the third book ruined the entire series for me. So That's what uh, a lot of my friends up. said. That's why I didn't really bother. Yeah, people had quite a violent reaction at the end of the third book. It just all sort of washed over me. I read the trilogy. I'm like, all right, that wasn't bad. Never going to read it again. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, they they have a discussion and Ham is not in favor of exposing the army to the mists. And there are very logical reasons to do this. The same reasons, really, more or less, that they told the villagers why we have to expose you. But Ham doesn't like the idea. And Ellen's like, we kind of have to dude. like how what are we going to show up at Fadrak City and start a siege and have our people in tents all day long so that an enemy army will just come down and kill them all. Like, this is not a plan. And Vin makes a very good point that Kelsier had said that Ham was like trying to make Ham into a general and Ham has never really been uh, the general sort of guy. Yeah. Kelsey can make mistakes and misjudge people. Yeah. Ham's uh, Ham's nice and friendly and he's not commanding really. And definitely does not have the ability to uh, think objectively about these people that he's gotten to know so well. And I like that Ellen's like, Oh, by the way, then you got to do something about your co-loss. He's creeping people out. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and I, Ellen's like, we're going to have to expose the army. You know, that's, we, we got to do what we got to do. And she goes off to find Human. He's like, dude, what what are you doing at the camp? Why aren't you with the other Coloss? And Human's like, well, I'm Human. I've told you before, you can't watch people at the latrine. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to learn what humans do. I should have a house like those. Those aren't, they're not houses, Human, they're tents, and you can't have one. You are a Coloss. Maybe they should just give human a tent. Right. I mean, you know, if it's going to make him happy, then. But, <laughs> but then maybe like, yeah. all the other Coloss want them, and they don't have like, them. If, if, if we give him one, they're all going to want one, or worse, they'll kill each other to take them. Oh, that's a good point. Somebody might kill human to mm. get his tent. True. If you give him a cookie, you know how that goes. <laughs> and she tells him that he's making people uncomfortable, and human's like, well, then they should attack me. She's like, we, we, we don't just kill people, human. He's like, no, you make us kill them instead. Which is very insightful and, oh. uh, yeah, brutal. It's a little too real coming from a Colos. Yep. Yeah. Although then, I, I did have to laugh at, like, this little conversation. As chilling as that line is, this was a few pages after she's gone, man, I miss Tensoon and his refreshing bluntness. And then she gets yeah. this guy who's, like, even more <laughs> blunt. And she's like, ah, fuck, I walked into this one, didn't I? <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, Vin. Your new sidekick uh, for this book is uh, even more blunt than the last one. And then he looks at her and he says, you're one of us. And she's like, what? He's like, you're like us, not like them. And she says, why do you say that? And he says, missed, which doesn't explain anything, but okay. That just raises further questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but according to human, the mist do not kill the Coloss like they do the people. So that's interesting. Well, I guess if they don't have houses, they're already always out in a, a night anyway, so... Yep, yep, yep. And then Human says that he hates the mist. He hates it because it hates him. And then he says to Vin, you feel it? And she goes, yeah. 
I do. And he gives her a nod of approval. This is a creepy relationship that is, is happening here. <laughs> this is the Colos equivalent of a bro moment. Kind of. I, I, I feel like a, a real Colos bro moment would have murder involved somehow, but... Uh, well, yeah. And then just goes back to thinking about the mist. She's like, I, I drew upon them once. They helped me. They work like allomancy fuel instead of metals. I, why do they hate me now? I don't understand. Although she's beginning to think that she'd been wrong in the first place and that didn't actually happen. But we know that it happened, so we don't have to worry about that. And the chapter concludes with the mists. The deepness hated her. The mists were her enemy. A point that she'd apparently been resisting. It says she'd been resisting this for a long time, but she finally had to admit that the mists were her enemy. So that's sad. We started the first book with Kelsey telling her the mists are her friend, and she didn't want to believe that wasn't true anymore. But The water's your friend. The water's your pal. You can't get sucked down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, what is that? What's that? Uh, is that that Rugrats? Rug yeah, okay. Yep. Oh shit. Oh gosh. Throwback. <laughs> oh my gosh, we randomly saw as scrolling through YouTube a video of uh, somebody playing the board game Don't Wake Daddy, and Kari's like, "I want to see what that is." And I was like, "Oh, you gotta watch these commercials from like the '90s because I still remember the song in my head." It's like, "Don't wake Daddy." It's such a random throwbacks today. Okay, so. Those are our chapters. Let's get into predigments. Uh, let's see. Dak, what do you have this time? Um, I'm not really sure where the characters are going. I mean, like I said, I think the, the, the biggest prediction I have is on a character level, I think, is the third person in the room with Quellian has to be someone. I think, I think it might be someone we've met before. So, yeah, I'm banking on... Either the guy that Brandon said to watch out for in book three who escaped from Vin and Zane's assault on set, or else the guy that got saved from the pits by Kelsier. But okay. oh, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. I've been wondering a lot about the power in the well and what it really is, because uh, I don't know. The fact that two two things have got me thinking. One, the metal-based powers. There's three of those, so things come in threes in mm -hmm. this book. Alamancy, Ferrochemy, and Hemallergy. And so I thought, okay, there's ruin and there's preservation as these two powers and forces and whatnot. But neither, like, preservation is not about creating things. It's about preserving what's already there. So I'm wondering if, the, if like, the, the power in the well was a third power or, or force of some kind, and it's actually the power of creation, which is completely separate to the other two. And um, maybe that also will achieve sentience or display it at some point. I don't know. But I feel like, yeah, I th I don't think it's ruin or preservation that came out of the well because I don't think you could do the things that Rushek was doing with either of those powers or drawing on those powers. It's got. To, I think it might be something else entirely. Interesting. We know from one of the epigraphs recently that ruin is capable of building things if it knows that it can then use those things to like destroy more. Like it was like he can build one thing up if he knows he can knock use it to knock two things down. I think is what it said. Yeah, which I mean, that, I mean that that could lend the possibility that you know Rashek is using the power of ruin, which is why he had to keep people enslaved. It was like he you know he had to sac make some sacrifice to utilize the power. But I don't know, something's still telling me no. Hmm, um, so I think it might be a third thing. I could be completely wrong, but that's just where my mind has gone. Okay, that's really all I have for this week. I don't have much. Fair enough. Um, okay, Jamie. Okay, so I'm a bit concerned about old buddy Spook. There was a lot of, 
a lot of attention given to him feeling inadequate and, you know, that he's something more and burning his tin all the time to be something more. He's currently based out of Urtau at the moment and we know that uh, some of our characters are heading that way, but presumably, like, I mean, there's another cache there, so presumably Elland and Vin will end up that way. So I think once they get through Fadrax City, they will move up to Urtau and I think the citizen is probably going to be our, I guess, apart from the deepness and the mist, probably our main villain for this book or at least the first half of the book. I think that Spook's powers that he's got going on now are going to be quite desirable possibly to ruin and Mm -hmm. that maybe he might be this member of the crew that can be corrupted and possibly have to go through some sort of hemology process, whether he becomes an inquisitor or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe Spook would be a willing participant because he'd finally have some powers to be able to do more. I think he's, in, he's his heart's in the right spot. I think he wants to be useful and he wants to do more, but what he's doing to himself is really dangerous and he's mentally just not in a good space to realise that he is valuable without having to do this all the time. But He's he's going to be quite a power. Well, he's quite powerful, the Tin Eye. So that I think that's going to be quite a desirable trait for them as well. So, yeah, I'm thinking that, given that we've had this new form of power introduced to us in this book with a bit more detail, it wouldn't surprise me if someone in the crew was going to be subjected to it. And I think at this point, Spook is my bet. Interesting. Uh, okay. For that. And. Did have another thought about, gosh, the, oh, yes, that's right. Vin has held the power that was in the well, albeit for a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Maybe she knows something that she doesn't know she knows yet oh. uh, that will help them because they said some, like, some of it comes from, like, holding the power and then some of it's given to them. So I don't know whether there was any time for any information to be sort of given or anything she just knows because she she held the power or whether you keep that information as well. Mm. So she might be able to um, help our hero of ages to to hold power again. The thought that the power will return or replenish in the well as well. Oh, I think they, they mentioned that, oh, it'll be another thousand years before that happens, but it's not going to be a thousand years before we reach a resolution in this book. So <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> you get to you know the last three chapters and it's like a thousand years later (laughs) um that was but yeah maybe maybe she knows something yeah and I had had a thought as well and I can't really remember my reasoning for it but maybe Gadriel rather than just moving it sort of closer to the sun or whatever Rashek did could it still be moving and we don't know where to stop it like is it moving further away or yeah, some, some sort sort of thought like that. I can't remember exactly what my my basis for that thought was, but you know, we've got, if the mists are natural as well, it sort of doesn't seem right if you were moving closer to the sun or if you were closer to the sun that they would still be around. Yeah. So why that's changing, I'm not really sure. But food for thought for maybe a bit later. I really like the idea that like Vin has some stuff in her head that she doesn't even know she knows. And somebody's going to ask a question and she'll just bust out with the answer and be like, wait, how did I know that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. That'd be fun. Okay. Mm. Those are some, some good thoughts. Uh, okay, Joe. Don't have much this week. I'm, I'm hoping 
that they get to Fodrex and that it becomes more interesting than a siege. Because I can't imagine being on the outside of a siege was it would be any more interesting than we when it was on the inside of a siege <laughs> at Luthadel. So that's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm predicting that you know we're not really going to be in for another siege. Something's going to happen. And then the Urto stuff. I I I mean Spook's there. You know whatever. I I think something bad is going to happen to Spook. I don't know if I feel it's going to go the same way that Jamie thinks it's going to or is predicting. I just don't think his his abuse of that power is going to end up going well for him. Or who mm. knows? Maybe he'll become like uh, maybe he'll become like Fry after a hundred cups of coffee. You know, just amazing. <laughs> um, but you know, I just don't I don't think it's going to play out well for him. But I am interested in the Urto stuff when Sazed and Breeze get there. I think that that'll be kind of interesting, and I'd be I'm I'm kind of interested to see Sazed's reaction to their version of the Survivor, the Church of the Survivor, just because you know he's been looking at religions for a while, so I'd, I'm interested to see what his reaction will be um, yeah, this, to that. Like a, a, the, maybe the first brand new religion to develop in a thousand years. So right. that's the kind of thing that might uh, get his interest. Yeah. So if, if he, you know, can get over whatever's going on inside his head. Um, but so that'll be interesting to see, uh, I think. And yeah, I don't know where we're going, honestly. I mean, I have ideas kind of about like the makeup of the world as we've been talking about it, especially with the epigraphs. I feel like these epigraphs, unless we're getting hoaxed again, unless we're getting, um, yeah, fooled again and uh, these epigraphs are like yep. not yeah not actually real or something i feel like we've been getting so much more information out of them than we have in the past two books um, oh yeah so i feel like we're really starting to fill in a lot of the gaps of what's of what's been going on so i'm, I'm just excited to to kind of get to the end and uh figure everything out just on on the topic of that actually given what we've just discussed uh, a few times here you guys i mean you're gonna read anyway but you guys might find the very next epigraph interesting if you want to read that after we're done because uh, it kind of touches on a lot of the stuff that we're talking about uh, coincidentally but yeah it's it doesn't seem like things are gonna go well for spook things never go well for spook but he's really pushing some uh some limits here that maybe he should not push is what it seems like so i i know what you mean that it's like i don't know that things are gonna go his way he 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 wants to be the hero and get the girl and no, but he's going to be the hero of ages. So it's fine. We've established that. <laughs> so this week we have, let me check. We have at least a couple emails that I can read. So we finally uh, hit chapter 12 this time. So I can read the email that uh, Angela sent. We're talking about chapter 12. Oh yeah. So Angela says, uh, hello. I hope you're all doing well. I'm currently reading Chapter 12 of Hero of Ages, and I'm in a difficult spot because none of my friends read the series, and I'm too far along for the reading along Discord chat, but I'm not far along for the Hero of Ages all spoilers uh, section of the chat, so I needed to send my predicament somewhere. Here they are. (laughs) (laughs) So what she thinks is that uh, she's absolutely convinced, she says, that Sazed is the Hero of Ages, kind of like you guys are convinced. And she says she thinks the epigraphs sound like Sazed. They're, they are even-handed and understanding, but familiar. It isn't passionate enough to be even. The tone is scholarly, and that makes me think it's either Sazed or Ellen. And I think she sent this email before I actually said that, where I also at this point thought that it was Sazed or Ellen. So uh, I guess at least I'm not alone there. It says he refers to Rashek and Ellen by name rather than saying the Lord Ruler and the Emperor. He also refers to himself as part of the group, and these seem like decisions Sazed might make. 
It would also seem to take Ellen out of the running unless Ellen ascends to some higher being speaking of his past self in the third person, which would be extremely sad because Vin and Ellen's relationship would probably be broken by this. And I refuse to believe that Sanderson would do that to us. <laughs> interesting. That, that, that's an interesting thought. I don't think that uh, that had come up where it's like, man, if that was Ellen, then him and uh, Vin might not be together anymore. Mm. I think we all just said like, well, it's referred to Ellen as someone else. Ellen's never going to be that guy who refers to himself in the third person, so it can't be him. Mm. He's not going to be that guy. Jeez, I hate <laughs> that guy, right? <laughs> I would like okay. to end this by reiterating how how frustrating I find Aurian. I get annoyed whenever she's on page, <laughs> and I think my dislike of her character is exacerbated by my dislike of emotional allomancy. I have previously shared my unease with Breeze's actions, and Aurian is even worse. Happy reading, everyone, wasing to the time of next. So Angela's like right on with all of us, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's just great. Although I do okay. feel like, like Sorry, we're, we're we're all annoyed by it, but uh, for Jamie, you you have a very visceral reaction to Orian showing up. I do, and Angela is perfectly right. Um, <laughs> she is just annoying, and <laughs> I, I get exactly what you're saying. <laughs> all yeah. right, so we have to kill off one of them, Orian or Spook. Not Orian. Orian. Obviously, yeah. Like, say, well, you'll let Spook, but he contributes to the story. Yeah, I guess it'd be Orian for me, too. <laughs> He's like, I hate to admit it, but... Oh, gosh. Congratulations, Spook. You're officially not the worst anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you'd asked me book one, oof, Spook be dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't meet Orian in book one, so... Exactly, that's my point. Here's, here's your purple ribbon. Tribute. Like, Spook thinks he's useless, but Orian does nothing to contribute to the group. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, so, give her a chance. Maybe she'll Spook, come up with something good. Spook thinks he's useless, but isn't. Orian thinks she's useful and isn't. <laughs> uh, second email is from Sasha. Sasha says, I've been listening to your podcast every week since near the end of Well of Ascension, and I just want to tell you that it's been really fun listening. I would have written a couple of weeks ago, but I couldn't find the email address on your website, at least not on the mobile version. So I realized after reading that that I think I have stopped saying where the our email address is at the end of every episode when I used to do that every single time. Oh, yeah. So I need to start doing that again. I'm sorry, Sasha, <laughs> that you had to go hunt it down. Oh, we've uh, been so busy reminding you about the music. We never thought about yep. the emails. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll work on that. But Sasha says, like it says in the header on your page, this uh, podcast is like experiencing Mistborn as if it was brand new again. I've been listening to various Sanderson-related podcasts while on the treadmill, and I think yours is my favorite. Thanks, Sasha. Appreciate that. Thanks. I am concerned about Joe, though, and uh, which, is, which is why I finally looked up the email on Google. You confirmed this week that you're planning to bring the whole cast to Stormlight, and if Joe's angry at the end of Well Ascension, Stormlight is going to give him an aneurysm. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'll be fine. Yeah, the the Stormlight books, at least uh, the first five, are one big story that goes over five books. None of them are really self-contained. A single story in this book, so mm-hmm. I kind of see what mm-hmm. she's talking about. But I uh, mean, I you know, I like Name of the Wind. That's not a self-contained story necessarily. That's true. Yeah, it I yeah, really I, isn't. <laughs> you've 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 really just like been so sort of more against when a story just like is billed as like a standalone and then doesn't turn out to be to your satisfaction. Well, so if we know, go, if we know going in stormlight is meant to be all one story, maybe that'll be mitigated. Right. And I mean, I think my well of Ascension problem is it's really like a pirates two ending. Like we, I talked about before. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's so abrupt. It's so jarring. And it's like, Oh, okay. 
And again, like if I had had if I had read this when it came out and then I had to wait for the next book, I would have been like furious. I'd been like, are you kidding me? Uh, but, but if um, yeah, if I if knew we, that going in, that's yeah. not a big deal. I think if we manage to make it all the way to Stormlight and keep everybody together for that long, that's like two years away at this point. Then e- either oh ev- either everyone will be into the story of the Cosmere enough that they'll be fine with it, and and also by the time we get there, I think all by the time we get to the fifth book in that five book uh, thing, I think they'll all be out. So at least we'll have like a complete story by the end. You won't be waiting for the next book in that same way. But anyway, that's I think. I think everybody will be invested enough in the overall story of the Cosmere that uh, it'll be more acceptable at that point. Oh, and then we have a second email from Angela, which she sent like three weeks after the first one. It's just that I didn't read that first one for several weeks. But I love uh, I I, I love this one so much that we're Angela's getting two this week because she's awesome. (laughs) This this email is in two parts. First, a funny story about a nightmare. So my life has been crazy and I fell asleep while listening to the latest episode. I was halfway asleep, so I was dreaming but still perceiving the world around me and I dreamed a friend of mine and I were sitting with Data at a table, and Data was at the computer screen, but we interacted with him as though it was not strange at all, and he was just another friend. Then it says, your screensaver was swirly pastel galaxy colors. Very nice. My screensaver, in fact, is a black screen, because I felt like that uh, might be power saving in some way. Because you've heard black, black heart, you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It says, you were explaining what had happened in this week's chapters since the sound of my dream was the podcast I was listening to. And I kept trying to say, no, Data, stop. Hannah hasn't read the book yet. There are spoilers. I know you wouldn't say this if you knew, but I couldn't make myself talk. So I sat there in agony until I woke up during the predicaments. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, no. That's a, that's a super cute story. That's an awesome story. I love this dream. Yeah. That was amazing. It's like, don't also, do it. Also, your nightmare is what... nothing but spoilers. Yeah. I wonder what uh, she thinks you look like. Uh, I assume just like Data from Star Trek. That's the, sure. That's <laughs> the yeah, you don't even use contractions. Nope, totally don't. Totally don't use contractions at all. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, and then the part that's actually uh, the second part of the email that's about the books. It's like during the discussion this week, you guys talked about Rashek not thinking through his decision to move the planet, adjust human biology, and so on. And as much as I hate to give Rashek credit, I don't think we know. We know enough about the scientific advancement in the book's world to make statements about whether these were good decisions with unintended consequences or bad decisions that he didn't think through. If you have only a rudimentary knowledge of the solar system you live in, there is no guarantee that the planet will become too hot to be habitable is an obvious direct consequence of consequence of the planet moves closer to the sun. Which is a really good point, actually, which I hadn't considered. Is that, Damn, uh, An- Angela just got her teacher mode on and it's like, now you guys aren't thinking this through enough. I yep. want you to think about your <laughs> exercise a bit more. Uh, she, she's seemed, a teacher, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, that was – this is Angela uh, Prime, I guess is how uh, she put it before. <laughs> so I, the first one who sent us emails, um, yeah, this is the same. So I had to go back and check the name, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems as though if there were any scientific advancement prior to the Lord Ruler's reign, all record of it has been erased. But then we need to think about the author of the epigraphs. If we ask when the epigraphs are being written, I don't think we immediately come to an obvious answer. I still think the author is sazed, but is it sazed now or sazed hundreds of years from now? At first, I figured we would end the book with Sazed sitting down to write epigraphs, the epigraphs having come full circle, producing a religious text meant to give truth to the masses. However, he uses words like atmosphere and microbes. And we know the Well of Ascension gives the power to accomplish tasks, but not the knowledge of how to do this precisely, meaning these words and the understanding of the scientific concepts behind them are not automatically known by the hero. Otherwise, Rashek might never have made his mistakes. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, 
Seist got that, if this is Seist, he got that knowledge from somewhere other than the well. So we have to assume that he either already had the knowledge from somewhere else, or he, this is later, and he's learned a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say, you can't just rule out, like these, like these are more modern words than the setting gives us credit for, because we just had a chapter where Set used the phrase, they can suck on that, which I would say is a much more <laughs> modern phrase. <laughs> Hey, people have been sucking on things for the entirety of human history, man. Yeah, yeah but this is not used uh, as an insult like that in the Middle that. Ages. You don't see that yeah. in Shakespeare. Verily, thou can suck on that. <laughs> yeah. Alan Brandon, pulls out his thick book and says, hey, you could suck on this. Brandon has, Brandon has addressed questions about some, uh, maybe you'd call them anachronisms in language, such as suck on that, in some of his other books. Not really Mistborn much, but there's some in Stormlight that people are like, hey, wait a second, how did they know this word if they don't have the culture behind the development of this word? And he's like, look, they're talking in their languages, and the book you're reading is like a translation of the closest English match to the words that they're using. Or, you know, the, something that conveys the right idea. So if they're making, like, a pun, you're going to get a pun that might not be the exact pun that they're making, but that conveys the idea that they're conveying. Mm. So, you know, in, in his speak, he's like, they can wrap their lips around this. You know, <laughs> something like that. Yep. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So it's just, that's, I, I think that, that helps us here. Maybe not with terms like micro, but with certain things like suck on it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> suck on that. <laughs> Man, I want to know what, like, <laughs> the direct translation of suck on that is yeah, right. from whatever language they're speaking. <laughs> you get the dictionary out, it's like, okay, so he's actually saying the words for chew my foot. This didn't really yeah. come out very well. Yeah. They can chew my foot. They can I lick can... my heel. Okay, great. Well, like Angela ends the email by saying, here's some uh, things that I believe would show up in some way if these sort of concepts were already developed before the word microbe was ever used. And this is 1608, the optical telescope. 1675, the microscope. 1800, batteries. 1869, the first transcontinental railway. So, she's like, all of these things were found before microbes, so... Well, I mean, they probably don't need telescopes in this setting, because, like, you burn enough tin, your eyes can probably see that far, so... Well, and they wouldn't need telescopes to look at the stars, because they can't. The mists, like, cover the mist, so... Yeah. I mean, in Final Fantasy X, where they're all riding on birds and not driving cars, <laughs> this dude says microorganisms. So, you know, you never know what people know. So her conclusion is that she does not think the epigraph author is writing this contemporaneously with the current storyline. And then she says, perhaps this is my volcano theory. I would like to acknowledge that, of course, the existence <laughs> of magic would affect the development of science. I'm just going with what I've got. I've got to say, I agree with you, Angela, that um, this is... Yeah, we're reading something that hasn't been written yet. Definitely, definitely sort of an end of the book thing. And what you were saying about having maybe the stage is re, re, uh, sorry, writing this at the end of the book, that's sort of the thought I had um, when I first thought it was saved because it's definitely not saved now. So thank you, Angela and Sasha. Awesome emails. I appreciate the heck out of those. And uh, if anyone else wants to send us emails, it is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. That is the Sanderlanch, one word with an E at the end, at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at the Sanderlanch. On Instagram, which I forgot to put an Instagram up this week. Uh, I just remembered. Uh, on Facebook, where every once in a while I post a random picture or our progress bars that I've made to show how far along we are. Uh, I don't think I've been posting those anywhere except Facebook. So, because I'm just randomly like, hey, here's a funny thing. I'll post it on the, our Facebook thing. On YouTube now, 
you can find us all of these places. Check us out. Send us things at us. We've, we we now have Joe has always been retweeting our our weekly tweet of the of the episode, but now we got Pablo Roman, uh, Roman also retweeting us every week. So cool. I like you, Pablo. Thanks, You're a cool Pablo. guy. <laughs> nice. Now the question is, why aren't the Australians retweeting the podcast? <laughs> I don't have Twitter. Neither do I. <laughs> Well, that's a good reason. I, I, well, that's the answer. I, that's a good reason. I, I do, but I haven't used it in years, and I've actually, I actually thought I deleted the account until someone a few months ago reminded me, "Hey, I found you on Twitter." I was like, "That's still there." <laughs> I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I hadn't used Twitter in years before this podcast, and I was like, I should probably, you know, tweet for the for the show. Yeah, honestly, I've maintained my Twitter, but I hardly ever tweet. Okay, so other than that, for next week, we are reading. Five chapters, that is 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Good gravy. Yep. I think I think it's easier when it's like a multiple of five, too, because we just read 15, and so we're going up to 20. And then the week after that, we're going up to 25. That's neat. I like that. Yeah. But what's funny is uh, the five chapters from not this next one, the week after that, those five chapters are shorter than the four chapters that we just read. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why we're reading five that time, because they're short. Anyway, fun facts. Uh, actually, oh, one more thing. I've gotten a couple more requests since I originally put the Discord link in um, in one of the episode descriptions. So if anyone wants to get in on the Discord, missed it the first time, I'm going to put the Discord link again in the description on this episode. And I may just find some place to put it up like more permanently. I'm not worried about being influxed with millions of people who shouldn't be there. No, people don't care about us that much. So I'm not allowed in the discord. Nope. Yeah. You actually on that note, you mentioned it like a a little while ago in this episode, the various channels you have on the discord. Those is who can't go on there. What is actually on there? I'm I'm, Uh, okay. So on the discord we have, uh, I'm pulling it up now. Hold on. We have, Four text channels and one voice channel, and the voice channel is just called No Spoilers. I don't think anyone's ever actually been in there. I just set it up because why not? But there's a text channel for people who are reading along for only spoilers up till whatever the most recent episode is. So technically, theoretically, you guys could join and be in that channel, but I'm worried about the potential that somebody will come in and be like, hey, blah, blah, blah. So that's why you're not. Yeah, right. uh, There's a channel that is for all spoilers up to the end of whatever current book we're on. So it was Well of Ascension, now it's Hero of Ages spoilers. And then there's a topic or a channel for all, anything Sanderson's written spoilers are allowed there. And then there's an off topic for anything else that anyone wants to talk about, which one of our our, uh, listeners named Lux has been posting music that uh, they made on that channel. And it's pretty fun. Oh, sweet. Oh, cool. So there's cool people having fun conversations and getting to know each other based on uh, a mutual liking for our podcast, which I appreciate. You guys are awesome. Thanks, guys. I will, like I said, I'll put put the Discord uh, link in the description of this episode so that anyone who's not already in there and is listening can get in there. Review, mentor view, I think that's everything. So five chapters for next week, Discord link, music by Miracle of Sound, and was into the time of next, everyone.